is. It's our brand new opening, everybody. Welcome to uh, Heading Back to the Window with Scott and Scott. I am your host, Scott Steen. I am the lead handicapper at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Rochelle, senior handicapper over winnersandwiners.com. And together we make up Heading Back to the Window. Good to see you guys in the house, as always. Good to see uh, Greg. I, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna butcher your name, Greg. Just in advance, it's Greg Guaneri. How about that? And By the said, way, Greg, question: When you had the Nets team total under, was that your idea or was that my play that I? Curious, what came first, chicken or the egg? Are you stealing plays from from Greg Scott? Is that what you're? Is that what you're? It could to be. Or you know, maybe he's taking plays from me, which is the sole purpose of me doing the YouTube video. So I'm kind of curious that worked itself out. T-Train in the house. Good to see you, man. Scott, how did your day go yesterday? Went well. I won something. What a, what a step in the right direction there. I had the Nets was... team total under uh, 1-11.5. Never in doubt. Nets didn't even score 100. That Miami defense is so damn good. Yeah, they're, uh, they're very, very solid. I had uh, the Charlotte Hornets as they eventually woke up and took care of business there at home and that was a bit of a sweat there for a little bit it was a bit of a sweat till about uh what two three minutes left they finally and and they were able to to just put the pedal down unlike the night before when we couldn't uh we couldn't get the warriors to hang on with the 10 point lead with a minute left so was there any doubt in your mind by the way that westbrook was going to have a triple double the day after we had him to have a triple double not one bit not one bit and plus 120 last night yeah yeah brutal just it was brutal is what it was. Yep. And uh, posts on YouTube are no longer showing up on mobile. I don't know. But we'll uh, look into that after. That but I can't is, control that, that now. That is, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I probably can't control that in any part of my life. But I will tell people that can figure that kind of stuff out. So We'll keep that uh, in mind. Thanks, T-Train. There you go. And uh, Tyler said he uh, he took it because of you, Andy. Also, I uh, took the team and that's team total under first quarter. That one that's got to be after your own heart there. Somebody playing your play and a quarter play. So it was just a hideous basketball game. And I loved every second of it. Beautiful. Absolutely. Well, let's find out. Oh, we uh, we, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about how badly we whiffed on the baseball game. You know, we're, we're going to spend some time patting ourselves on the back, but we're also going to eat eat some crow. As we had, uh, Urquidy. I think we liked. I think we liked the over, though. If that's a consolation, boy, that yeah, that was another no sweat. <laughs> as, as the uh, Houston was able to to just kind of stretch it out there late. Urquidy looked pretty good, buddy. He did. I'm curious, early, if, I'm curious if I'm curious if Freed is fade material or not. If what Freed is fade material or not? I think he certainly has to be, right? I don't know because people can have the conspiracies about. Houston and maybe having an advantage at home going back to the White Sox theory free didn't really generate any swings and misses for about the first two innings no no, there were some seeing eye ground balls that they hit pretty good that if you know they could have certainly been at somebody that found a hole but for the most part they made pretty good contact against him got super Mm -hmm. slide in the house Browns backer uh Derunder man I'm sure I'm sure I'm fucking that up so sounded good let's find out who joined us in misery yesterday, Scott? Let's. Uh, well, I don't know. I didn't have much misery yesterday, but well, the baseball stuff. Yeah, but I did win my play today, so okay. it's a step in the right direction. Okay, well, get get down off your pedestal. What is that? One in a row? Uh, give or take. Congratulations. Ballpark. I lost. I lost track after one. 
Yeah. All right. Let's find out, man. Who got ripped off? Who needs to pick up their phone and call the cops, baby? All right. Very good. Um, we're going to start off in the NBA. If you had the Lakers on the money line playing the Thunder, a game my daughter was at. I didn't even know that. Uh, they Lakers led by 22 after the first quarter, doing exactly what you think they would do against OKC. Led by 16 at halftime. And then, Scott, they decided, uh, you know what? That's good. We're not going to really come out for the second half. Lakers got outscored by 24 points in the second half, end up losing by eight. Holy crap. If you had the Lakers on the money line, first of all, you're paying a pretty good price. Secondly, you got it all stolen. You got to call the cops. We'll get back to that game in a little bit. But looking at the second call the cops, it was the game that you actually had, but you were on the right side. Uh, you had the Magic plus six against the Hornets. You led by two after three quarters. You know the Magic are not exactly a good team, but maybe they can hang around just one more quarter, keep it close. Now nah, they got outscored by 11 in the fourth, lost by nine. Absolutely. Uh, Nathan Cerno, he he wants props, and he deservedly so. He called the zigzag. Yeah, he did. And so far... There's been a uh, there's been a there's been a zig. Now we'll have to find out if it zags when they come back. But so far, the zigzag is, is one for one. So we'll see what happens when they head back to Hot Atlanta. And it's a very good possibility that Atlanta wins that first game there at home. Uh, lastly, if you had the Celtics Wizards first half over one fifteen, had one hundred fourteen with five seconds left. Scott Bradley Beal misses two uncontested layups. You started at 114, and you add zero to 114, you get 114. Man, if you had over 115 for the first half, pick up Bradley Beal's phone and call the cops. Good Lord. If you didn't actually see that, I recommend it. It was pretty funny because you have Beal, who's averaged 30-plus points per game before, and yet he just couldn't make two layups right before the buzzer. And that, of course, knowing Vegas, a play like that, that's usually going to cost somebody some money. You're dead to me, Bradley Peel. Dead, I tell you. All right. Well, there was some good news. You were on the right side of it, had those nice, easy victories. You know who you are. You were sitting in the rocking chair. So the first one was in baseball. If you had the Astros money line against the Braves, they led it five to one after two innings and won seven to two. Really never in doubt. Nope. Nope, unfortunately it wasn't. Uh, if you had the Clips Cavs under 218, well, started off well for you. Put up 87 points in the first half. You're thinking that's probably going to be a win. And guess what? It was because they put up just 84 in the second half. Even worse than the first half. Nicely done, boys. That game ended 171. <laughs> they don't get much more rocking chair than that. That, that Cavaliers team, I'm kind of going to keep an eye on them. I don't think they're good. But they're young. They're actually not that bad. They're not as bad as I thought they were going to be. They're like the T-Wolves. You're, you're not horrific anymore. Congratulations. Yeah, and speaking of the Timberwolves, that's going to be the third rocking chair. If you have the Timberwolves plus six against the Bucks, well, they never trailed. And they led by 10 after a quarter. Almost choked up the money line down the stretch, but the spread was never in doubt. Timberwolves ended up holding on and won by five. Very good. Very good. Uh, Nathan Cerner said... Uh, Brown, oh, uh, Braves first to two at minus 110. Easy money. Easy money, he says. It's a good call by Tyrone, by the way. That had a bio rebound prop. Uh, yeah, I actually did notice that. I forgot to include it. That was pretty brutal as well. Oh, it had, it had seven at halftime and only put up two in the second half? Yeah. 
Well, it was kind of it was kind of like our our triple double from the night before when they took him when they took him off the point when he had five five assists in the first quarter and couldn't get to ten. Yeah, well, Westbrook finished with I think eight when he had five in the first quarter when we had him. That's what I just said. No, but I'm saying I'm I'm pretty sure that was I'm just confirming that sounds right. Yeah. Well, thanks. We saved a dollar on that play, by the way. That that triple so, double closed at like plus one seventy. We got it at like two seventy five. I am so tired of of throwing my closing line value in the trash. It's such a shame. We really need like a trash can. It's one just, of the it's one of the best memes for sports betting, by the way. If you guys have ever seen it, it's it's just it's a, on it's, Twitter from what I see. It's just simply a trash can. It's got CLV on the on the outside of and it. And you just throw out all your losing tickets. It doesn't matter what number you got. <laughs> but I beat the number. Mm-hmm. Ah, all right. Hey, speaking of, uh, I don't want to give it away, but speaking of Russell Westbrook, let's find out who is wearing the golden feed bag, Scott, who is the donkey of the day. So I assume this isn't going to be because he screwed us out of the triple-double the other night. Is there a new reason that Russ is the, the donkey of the day, Scott? Well, kind of. We have a couple of reasons. There's one main reason, but I'll go with the separate one first. He had a triple-double. In fact, he actually overdid himself. He had a quadruple-double with 10 turnovers with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. How do you have 10 turnovers with nine minutes to go in the fourth? But that's not even the reason why we're giving him this award. It's because of what happened at the end of the game. You had the ending where Oklahoma City dodged those two airball threes by Monk and Mello. I don't know what the hell those shots were. I don't know what that inbound pass was either. But anyway, Thunder are up are up uh, double digits. They're going to win the game. And the Lakers try to inbound the ball under their basket. Game's over. They just inbound the ball. Get stolen at half court. And Baisley decides to dunk the ball. Now, the question remains, what is proper procedure there if you're Oklahoma City? You've just been in an absolute war. Do you dribble the ball out to show sportsmanship or do you dunk the ball because it's a wide open lane? Now, this ties into our theory about how to avoid certain issues like this. Don't suck. Which is don't suck. Because the Lakers should be more concerned, especially Westbrook, should be more concerned with blowing a 26-point lead against the Oklahoma City Thunder than yelling at the guy for dunking the ball after your team blew the game. Plus, the truth is, with two seconds left or so, whenever he caught it, five seconds left, do you think the Lakers foul him at half court? I think they would have. I think, yeah, I think there's a very strong possibility that's exactly what happened. So if they would have potentially fouled him, which I think they might have just based on instinct, why can't he dunk the ball? I think that it's really stupid with this, you know, we've been trying to kill each other for the last two hours, but now you have to run out the clock. What are you, serious? The unwritten rules, buddy. He violated he blew a twenty-six rules. point lead. Suck it up. Don't suck. Stop. Stop, stop sucking. Congratulations. Do you, do you have anything you want to add? Uh, it's certainly a well-deserved donkey of the day. Uh, I, I, it's accumulation for me. It really I'm, is. I'm just not a, a Westbrook fan at all. I uh, used to be the biggest Westbrook guy, and then at one point, it just clicked in my head. I just had a moment of clarity, and everything that like the the Russell uh, Westbrook haters you know, started talking about back at the end of his OKC tenure. It all just hit me when I was watching a playoff game. I'm pretty sure they got killed by the Rockets in a series. And I was just watching the game, or maybe it was the Utah series where they lost Donovan Mitchell when he was a rookie. I just realized this guy's really overrated. It just immediately hit off in my head. 
and now I can't like flip it back. So yeah, I pulled. Oh, I don't want to say a one eighty on Westbrook. I've probably pulled a one sixty. A one sixty. I still think he's talented. I just used to be a big fan of his, and now I realize there are some serious flaws in his game that he has never tried to correct at any point in his career. Yep, you're absolutely right. Derunder man, uh, listen to uh, the Phil Nason's podcast. By the way, yeah, that was Phil does Phil does good work. If you uh, where if you're a podcast person, definitely check out uh, Cash with Flash. He's a a good good handicapper. He's got a good team and a great. By the great... way, you, you know uh, one play that I actually gave out on a podcast I was on recently. I don't know. I gave out Adebayo over nine and a half rebounds. Outstanding. Game. Outstanding. I did give that out Tyrone. So yeah, I, I feel, I feel that one. I should have included it. That's why, that's why you were, you had intimate knowledge of that's why that. I, I realized I'm like, that's right. I actually did recommend that. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Tyrone probably, he, he probably listened to you. He probably listened to you do it. Could be. Said, I retweeted it. So it's possible. I ended up going two for two on those two really bad beats. I lost by a hook on both of those props. I had the Adebayo rebounds which lost because he did nothing in the second half. I had Caldwell Pope under one and a half assists. He had one assist with one minute to go in the game, picked up an assist. Cool story, bro. Not fun. Not fun. But, oh, well. Okay. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Feel better? Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) Okay, let's find out who won some money for people yesterday. And it was a good day for the dog, Scott. If you you had a dog somewhere in the plus – 200 to 300 range good chance you cash that ticket and this is one of those cases let's find out who was yesterday's gambling hero all right as we talked about if you had the sacramento kings going up against the suns you were catching plus 260 on the money line, the Kings had played a tough game, but it looked like they were going to go down to a defeat until Harrison Barnes steps up, hits the game-winning buzzer beater, three-pointer. Go home, sons. You're beat. Hello, plus 260. Cash that ticket. Harrison Barnes, you are the gambling hero of the day. Especially since it was a tie game, might have gone. it would have gone to overtime. But the Kings were coasting pretty much the entire way. And you know with Luke Walton as coach, it's never easy. And they're probably going to blow that game in overtime. You sure as hell don't want to give him five extra minutes to fight. You sure, you sure don't. So Harrison Barnes probably saved you from a really painful overtime defeat. You know Harrison Barnes, he probably knew that. He's like, I'm just going to take this shot. He looked over at the bench and said, oh, hell no. And he just had to end it. Oh, shit. Luke Walton's still there. Yeah. I got dinner reservations in like 20 minutes. I got to hit this. (laughs) Boom. That's a, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a beautiful thing, man. It was, uh, do you have any of those dogs last night? Uh, no, I, the only thing that I said was that I really liked the heat last night on air, even though the line did drop a little bit from four and a half to three and a half. I said on air, I thought they'd win the game. I had the team total under for the Nets, which also coasted, but the Heat cruised. The Nets, I know, name brand, really, really good. James Harden has been playing terribly, and that Miami team is not afraid of anybody. You uh, worried about your Nets yet? No, I'm not really worried about anything because it depends on what do you think is the proper amount of time as a Chiefs fan, you could even talk about it because your team's going through a, a slump or whatever. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's 82 games in basketball compared to 17 now in the NFL. 
at what point during the season, maybe percentage wise of games, do you start to have the code red go on? Well, I would say with with football, it's a month. It's it's four four games into the NFL. For NBA, I go All Star break. Uh, I would say I would say probably twenty twenty five games. I'm I'm more. It's tricky for NBA though, because I don't know how much these teams actually care about the regular season. You know. Right. Well, you know, it's. I I just don't think playoff positioning just doesn't mean that much the it'll be curious to see do you think the home field the home court advantage is going to be uh more pronounced this year in college and the nba because fans have been away for a year for college yes for the nba i really don't know because we talk about how good the jazz are at home every year and the playoffs come around suddenly they can't win a home game right so i i just think that some teams are just wired differently but the actual spark of the crowd does help so i do think that's going to play a factor in college especially especially with the drunk college kids there in the middle of the week or even on a saturday afternoon yep uh timothy Lindsay just says he's got a a free ticket that i've uh, bet the braves to win the world series at 26 to 1 before the break all i can do is pray i'm rooting for you uh well you can at what point at what point, Scott, do you start hedging that? Or do you hedge it? Do you just let it roll? I don't know, because it's a free ticket. So I'm actually curious. It was a free bet for how much? Like, I'm curious what the payout is. If it's $1 to win $26, probably let it ride. But if it's a shot to win $26K, maybe you might want to hedge at some point. Is that fair? Yeah, I think I think I need a little bit more information. So you're not going to you're not going to hedge out of your your $26 winner? I would not hedge out of the twenty six dollar winner, but if it's twenty six thousand, maybe we can talk. Fair enough. You know, I'm uh, I'm I'm horrible at this. Don't forget to like and subscribe, guys. Don't forget to uh, hit that like button, the thumbs, you know, all the stuff wherever wherever you are. If you're on Facebook, if you're on Twitter, if you're on YouTube, uh, give us some sort of pat- positive adulation. We, I see. We, uh, by the way, a question that. from uh, Derunderman, uh, wondering if we use betting models or if we just use gut feeling. The answer is. I don't use any betting models. I've looked into them in the past. Nothing really ever took for me. For gut feeling, that makes it sound like we're just guessing out there. We do the research. We run the stats. We just don't have a statistical model to prove it. But gut feeling isn't, I I would say, neither out of those two. Because the gut feeling might be the confirmation that you trust the actual process you went through to find the play you like. But I speak for both of us. We're constantly running numbers. We're looking at the previous matchups. We're looking at previous games. We're even watching film. So I don't think gut feeling is the right answer, but I'm definitely not a model guy. Is that fair? Yeah, it is. Um, I, I tinker with models. I, I will use them, but I find that some work better than others. And just like any anybody that's picking games, they run hot and cold. Mm-hmm. So you've I've got to make sure... And I've and I've even got one that I've built for the NFL that's kind of that's kind of a hybrid that I've stolen from some from other models and kind of put it together. And so yeah, I I will do some modeling, but for the most part, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna trust what I see. I do watch I watch a ton of film, um, especially when it comes to the NFL and college. So yeah, I like to watch I like to watch all 22. I can get you can learn you can learn a lot from from that and you see just how well the defense is, is playing and how well the guys are running their routes and things like that. So 
not much of an answer there. It's a, kind of an amalgam. I mean, it's you have to be careful. And I will say this. You have to be careful not to go in when you're handicapping a game. With, try your best not to have a preconceived motion because or preconceived notion because then you start looking for confirmation bias. You, yeah, you have to be completely neutral when you go into a game. For example, 25-650, by the way, Scott. If it's a game tonight and you're an Arizona Cardinals fan, you're going to look over and see the Green Bay Packers have no wide receivers. So you're just going to say Arizona has to cover. And then you might actually look through some numbers and maybe the argument might give you a little bit of value on Green Bay, but you're going to be so blinded by your bias that whatever you even look up isn't going to matter because you already have the answer in your head. You're just looking for something that'll confirm what you already think. Is that a fair example? Yes, it is. Uh, Jacob Houston has an interesting question, Scott. Do you believe key numbers only apply to the NFL and not college football? I've been having this debate with people in gambling community because I believe there are key numbers in college football, statistically speaking. No, there are no key numbers in college football. You you agree with You say there's no... That's what, that's what he said. You said oh, he, there are key numbers. He's saying there are no key numbers in college Okay. Oh, no, I disagree with that. There's absolutely key numbers. I think there are. But I, I think that you can make an argument that key numbers aren't even just for gambling. It's for coaches because they want to go up a certain amount of possessions. I yeah. think key numbers exist because some coaches try to strategize accordingly. If you want to kick a field goal on fourth and one when you're at the other team's 25 because it puts you up three possessions, I do think there are key numbers. Well, sure. That's one example. One that, and I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but you know the one I can never figure out is when a team scores a touchdown, they go to, to go up seven late in the game. Why don't you go for two? I would always go for two. I think that going from seven to reach. nine – is significantly more important than going from seven to eight because no the question. argument is you still have to get the two point conversion. Yeah, the other team just went eighty yards on you in two minutes. Right now, here's the here's the argument of why there's why key numbers don't matter in college football. It's because in conference play you have more haves and haves nots. You have you have Alabama playing Vanderbilt, so obviously th- three, four, seven, none of those numbers matter. But you're much you're much more likely to have them come into play even. Even in shitty NFL games, if you have the Packers playing the Lions, there's still a good chance that that seven's going to come into play, something something like that. So, the, But Jacob just mentioned that his arguments that college games usually don't end with three and seven, but there are other key numbers besides three and seven. Well, 10, 14. Yeah, and that's, that, that, was going, that was going to be the other half of my point is you have to, you have to extrapolate that out to all your multiples. Yeah. Um, of, of yeah, 10, 10, 13, 14, 17, 20. It depends how you define a key number. Key numbers aren't just in the single digits. There are a bunch of key numbers in, co- in college football, especially because the spreads are so huge. I would definitely agree with the fact that three, four, and seven are not as important in college football as they are in the NFL because. Yes, but I'm not going to discount said, all of the other key numbers that exist. Right. He just, he just said three and they, they hit between, uh, Three, they they hit three and seven less than ten percent, and I I, I do believe that. And yeah, that I believe. But you're talking about fourteen, seventeen. If you're laying about twenty four points, that's a key number. Sure. So well, and then there's there's, there's there's key numbers for totals too. You know, there's there's weird ones you don't think of like forty five, fifty one. You know, those mm-hmm. are uh, six def- touchdowns and a field goal. Yeah, that's uh, fifty four is another key number that you look at for totals. So um, it's it's definitely something to factor in. Would you? The now, way that I would sorry, the way that I would quantify it is that I would say key numbers of three and seven are more common and more important in the NFL, but you have to keep in mind the double digit key numbers a lot more in college football. Is that a fair statement? 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, Nathan Cernan said, I'm only betting the 76ers if Embiid is clear and playing. Good luck well, finding... Good, you might have to wait till the playoffs for that say, because he's luck. never going to be clear until like two hours before a game. Good luck finding that out until 20 minutes before game time. He's still not clear, so keep that in mind. But it goes back to what I said about the Knicks against the Sixers the other day, which is that even if Embiid plays, I think this team could win. But if he doesn't play, you beat a huge line move. So I think there might be value in potentially fading Philly on the overnight if you think there's even a chance Embiid doesn't play. Because even with Embiid, they really haven't looked that good. Right. Uh, somebody wants to know, when, when we put the, the replay up, it should be up immediately. As soon as it's over, it may take, what, five minutes for everything to kind of catch up? I'm pretty sure, but you'll see it on the subscription feed. It'll say, finished streaming X minutes ago, and you can yep. click it and it should be there. Yep, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I know this is true because sometimes I have to I forget to push the record button, so I actually have to record it off of the YouTube to put it out in podcast form. So yeah, Nathan Embiid's knees taking a beating. What are they? Five games into the season? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. He's, in, he's injured every year. You know, it is what it is. I wish he was healthy all the time because he's a great basketball player. But some people are made of glass, and you can talk about Anthony Davis being one of those cases who plays through all these injuries most of the time. He hits the ground maybe nine times per game. Yeah, that's about right. Mod if you watch a Lakers game, he's hitting the ground at least three times a quarter. He does spend a lot of time getting banged around. No question. No question about it. Uh, Modern the NBA works fine for me so uh, so far, but the NBA, the NFL is tough. And that's absolutely true. And, uh, NFL is the toughest sport to beat. Agreed, Scott? Yeah, I agree with that. I think the best is a mix. Yeah, the most important thing we use is the games that you want to bet yep absolutely mm -hmm. true all right let's take a look at the uh you got a big game tonight um he's had one knee for three years <laughs> used to find out that's about right packers cardinals uh scooter opened up three and a half now six and a half my god what a line move why is that Are there any sevens i don't see any sevens i, I gotta assume there's gonna be potentially a seven before game five, time you five, five dimes has a seven right now you think there's gonna be set you think it's gonna go seven because i feel like the public's gonna slam arizona don't you think uh my bookie's got a juice six buddy i don't I've, i don't know I don't, know I don't know that it'll get to seven i i thought you know i talked to phil phil thought it'd go to seven seven and a half i'm like i don't know that's that's a Talk about key numbers. It's that's a uh, that's a hard mental number to get past on a big mm -hmm. game like that. So we'll see. I think if I think if it goes to seven, people are going to absolutely hammer the Packers. That is probably true. I think you're I thought that's it. the goal though, because I thought the point is oddsmakers are looking for 50-50 action. That's not exactly true anymore. It's I know I know that's the story. But it's the story with, that they allegedly don't like to take stances. It's not as common as it used to be. Right. But right. I still think they would like to have near 50-50 action. They've got they've got a lot of risk management guys that are that are doing paying getting paid a lot of money to uh figure out what games they want to what ones they want to be evenly divided on which ones they want to take a position in. So by the, by the way, uh JR, it's not just one wide receiver. It's three wide receivers because Devontae's yeah. not playing. Lazard's not playing and Scantling was supposed to potentially come off the IR. He's not for this game, or at least he's going to miss this game. So even though people are talking about Devontae and how he's the one missing, they're missing their top three wide receivers. So keep that in mind as to why the line has moved three points. I don't know how much Devontae is actually worth. I think he's probably worth two 
and change because Rodgers, we've seen his entire career, can really make stuff up with the local postman. Like he doesn't really, right? I mean, he just makes stuff up as he goes and somehow right. manages to win games. Yep. Uh, they're missing so many guys. I agree. I agree, T Train. Uh seven seven's non-playable for me. It's gotta be, it's gotta be six and a half. Um now you know that Rodgers has this weird glitch in his record where he's six and oh without Adams. What's different about tonight? I'm actually taking Green Bay plus the points. Okay. All right. I'm taking a stance. I, I feel like it's not even just fading the public who's all over Arizona. I just think that Arizona is also banged up. They're missing J.J. Watt, who's probably out for the year. And I know Watt isn't the same guy he used to be. He's been very good against the run. And I do think that Arizona's run defense is suspect. I think Aaron Jones is going to have a good game. Now, it depends on what you think LaFleur is going to do from a game planning perspective. I'm expecting a bunch of two tight end sets. I'm assuming you'll see a lot of handoffs, Aaron Jones getting involved in the actual passing game. But it mostly comes down to the fact that maybe it's just me. I'm terrified of laying six and a half against Aaron Rodgers. Fair enough. And that's, uh, and like you said, he certainly has the body of work without Devontae Adams to back that up. I question whether this Green Bay defense is going to be able to stop Arizona, however. Um, Arizona. Well, Hopkins is supposed to play. A little yep. banged up, but he's supposed to play. I'm not sure how healthy he's going to actually look out there. But Green Bay, that's the thing. They're missing a bunch of guys. Do I want to fade a team that's won about six straight? And I know Arizona's undefeated. I get it. They've been playing with their food a little bit. They've managed to win every game, of course. I think this game's going to be somewhat close. I think Arizona's going to win, but I do think that Rodgers, the back door might swing open in this one. It really would not surprise me. Okay. Somebody wanted to know um, how when handicappers say I'm, I make this number at six, but they don't really share the process behind that. For me, I do my own power ratings. I do my own power ratings. For uh, all the NFL teams, I do them. You know, I'm not going to tell you, I do 130 teams in college football. I do about the top 50, the, the 50 teams that I'm probably. I don't, I don't think you're doing the rankings for college either. What's that? What is that, 300 and uh, something teams in college? Oh, there's basketball? 100. Yeah, there's th- three. No, I'm saying, I don't think you're doing the power ratings no. for college basketball because I know that would drive you nuts. 353 the last time I, yeah. I, I looked in college basketball and 130 in college football. But I lose track as Dixie State got called up and I, I lose right. track every now and then. Right. <laughs> Dixie State's going to the show. Mm-hmm. But that's that's how we do it. That's how I do it. Um, and that's and that's how books do it. At the end of the day, for all the stuff online, all the electronics, there is a guy or a, 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 most likely a department at major sports books, and they have power rankings, just like you see for Danny Sagarin or the or other guys that do their own power rankings. Ken Palm for college basketball. Ken Palm for college basketball. Uh, each individual bookmaker will do their own college will do their own power rankings, and that's how they make the lines. I, sw- I swear by Ken Palm for college basketball. I'm a big Ken Palm guy. He's uh, very good. But, uh, to, uh, but to go through some other questions here, uh, Jacob said he heard that home teams automatically get two points. It's actually usually three. Three is usually the number instead of two. Mm-hmm. Once again, I'm not sure how you can quantify that because that was allegedly the case last year when there were no fans. So I don't really know how that used to factor in. I don't know how much of it's fair or not based on trying to immediately project how much a home field is worth. I think it's worth more in college than the pros. I make I make it 2.78 in the pros and about 3.31 in college. Do you think that the same thing would apply for NBA to college basketball, or do you think it's even a bigger gap between the two? Even a big, I think there's even a bigger I agree. gap. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think NBA and, and 
home field in NBA not all that important. Well, Jacob, to answer that question of how power rankings give you a number for the spread, the way that I would interpret it is that they might have, let's just say, one uniform number to determine how good an overall team is. And if they just stack that up accordingly, one team is X points better than this other team, then you might factor in home field and create your spread. Once again, I've never been a model guy. I'm not really a power rankings guy. I do everything individually, game by game basis. But I'm assuming that's the case. You have one number. Yeah, it's a lot of work. That's to answer your question. If you are going to do some type of power rankings on your own, or you're wondering how the spreads are actually made, a lot, a lot of work behind the scenes. Yep. Yep. Absolutely right. And, uh, you know, then you start missing games. You're like, uh, my power rankings wrong or am I, you know, so teacher and saying Jacks will get zero for home games. What do you think the chargers get negative three? <laughs> no, nobody goes to Charger games besides the opposing team. Uh, well, they're starting to do a little better out there. a little more, but what opposing fans still make up. I'd assume at least half of the stadium. They got, they got them. They got them out of their, uh, they got them out of their soccer field. So yeah. Any interest in the uh, college games tonight? You got your uh, you got well, your Chile and your Coastal. Uh, by the way, to answer the Green Bay Arizona game, I'm leaning to the under. I think Green Bay is going to try to run the ball, try to control the clock. I I think they're I think they're both going to run the ball. I would uh, play the under there as well. Um, I'm probably leaning the other side. I'm I I I, I really wanted to take Green Bay here, but I I'm going to just... wait until the final minute because I'm hoping it's more likely to go to seven than six. I doubt I'll get seven, but if I do, then I do think there's value on Green Bay. I'm already down at six and a half. If it mer- if it mer- I'm going to be looking forward to go to seven and a half so I can see if I can catch a middle. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Troy and Coastal. Coastal off that disappointing loss at App State. Do they come out with fire in their eye, buddy? Uh, maybe. You? Okay, good answer. Uh, the, the number's gone from 18 to 17. There's uh, money coming in on Troy. Well, the weather is atrocious. So the question you have to ask is, do you really want to lay 17, 18 points and what should be terrible weather? No, I do not. No, uh, I I've had coastal coastal let me down last week and they uh, let me down for an over the week before that. So, uh, I've, I've, I've got to take Troy. Troy has a very good defense, man. And, and a terrific run defense. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how well coastal is going to be able to run the football and I'm not sure uh, how well they're going to be able to throw the football in the uh, in the rain it's uh it's i'm also be... curious how much the actual motivation or lack thereof is going to play a factor because yes they can win the sun belt but they had a shot in undefeated season maybe a shot at a new year six bowl that's not happening do you, you know think who... a part of them kind of rolls over yeah that's that's the other question because here's the deal troy only four and three on the season you go well they're kind of having a disappointing year they control their own destiny in the sun belt man they can they can win their division now. They still haven't played App State and they still haven't played Coastal, but they control their own destiny. So they're going to come out uh, like a team that wants to have something to play for. So between their defense now, their their offense is it's not good, atrocious. Yeah, it's, it's not good. It's, it's not good at all. And of course, this Coastal defense. That's my question for you. They were ripped apart last week by App State, both throwing the ball and running the ball. Did they plug those holes or was that just a case of App State having superior personnel on that night? Or is it a case where there really is a problem that Troy's going to be able to exploit? Well, I do think that App State's clearly the more talented offensive team compared to Troy's. I think uh, Coastal's defense will look better. The secondary hasn't looked great for Coastal, but I do think the bad weather will help take care of that. At the end of the day, I like the under in that game because of the weather. So if I think it's going to be a low-scoring, hideous game, 
I'm not laying 17. Yeah, agreed. And uh, somebody says something about playing a, a, a teaser with the Packers. I think that's a I think that's a real teasable number if you're a Cardinals fan. If you want to treat, tease it down to a half. I'm not a big fan of teasing college, but I do think that if you want to tease maybe the Troy game, maybe look at the under on that one. Tease under 56. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind that. No, don't don't mind that a bit. Uh, East Carolina and South Florida, the Bulls uh, against the Pirates. What would win in your mind, a bull or a pirate? <laughs> Just play the mascot game when you're not sure who's going to cover. Does the pirate have like a peg leg and one eye? I don't know if the bull can swim, so that uh, might play a factor on the ship. <laughs> not very fast, probably. Yeah, probably not. Um, this number has gone, uh, from opened up at, uh, opened up at nine and a half. And that's pretty much where it stands. You're, uh, you can, there's a couple of tens, but, uh, this is, I not, doesn't seem to be a ton of action on this one. Scott line's gone. The number's gone a little bit 57 to 56. I actually have a thought on the game, but it's not side related. I like the over South Florida's offense has started to look a little bit better. It couldn't have looked any worse. I'll tell you that much to start the year. But East Carolina's offense has had some splashes at times. Aylor's still a pretty good quarterback. They still have some weapons. The defense isn't very good. I'm looking at the over. I think you'll see some points. Okay. You? All right. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of the same way. I, I worry about this uh, South Florida offense being able to do enough. But uh, it's the Pirates defense, man, is uh, – is is definitely not good and, and they are and they can be had via the pass. So mm-hmm. we'll uh yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens there. I will uh I'll be watching that one live and see if we can if I can find an angle there. <sighs> you know what? We're out of time, buddy. Yeah, I was gonna go through some NBA stuff, but the truth is I don't really like anything on the card. Okay, good chat. Maybe then uh, I'd look at the Knicks because there's a chance Levine's not going to play. So if you want to take a gamble there on injury reports, I do think the Knicks money line definitely has a shot there. But NBA I gave out my play on the Grizzlies game. Other than that, I don't really have anything else. Okay. Who would like in the World Series going forward? Uh, the World Series, I had Houston in six going in. So I'm sticking with it, but we'll see. Okay. All right, very good. I, yeah, I'm worried about the Braves pitching. If if if, if Freed's going to suck, I think they got problems. So uh, That's definitely true. All right, my friend. Well, we have uh, we, we we took it in the shorts again yesterday. As far as our uh, farm, we've given our farm, we've given back our almost all of our farmland, and it's it's. But time we had to... a what a four or five game winning streak oh, last yeah. week. So yeah, we, yeah. we build it. We build. We're a still nice up spot. overall a decent amount, so it's yes. not that big of a deal. Yep, agreed. But we're gonna find out how what we're gonna do today. To get back on the winning track, Scott. Put on your overalls, would you, buddy? Get that straw hat on your head. Climb on your John Deere. It's time to bet the farm. So right. for this big and deep. Yep. For this one, we're gonna be looking at the NFL game and we like a player prop. And it's gonna be on Green Bay Packers tight end Mercedes Lewis over 17 and a half receiving yards at minus 120 on DraftKings. We mentioned it during the game breakdown. Packers missing basically every receiver you've ever heard of. Devontae Adams not playing, Scantling not playing, and Lazard not playing. Now, Mercedes Lewis, despite being the second tight end on the depth chart, has actually been pretty involved in the passing game lately, as he has recorded at least 31 yards in two of his last three games, at least 17 yards in each of the last three games, and he's played at least 38% of the snaps in each of the last six weeks. We do think Green Bay will shift a little bit more to some two tight end sets. They have a lot of young receivers that Rodgers probably doesn't trust, and I do think 
that you're going to see Lewis play probably north of 50. I think he'll play at least half the snaps, don't you think? Yep, I agree. And uh, Bien Trabajo has a great point that you and I talked about. Is the TV prop for him is what, plus 750? Plus 750 on yeah. DraftKings. That is yeah. 100% worth that for Mercedes Lewis. 100%. So that is going to be our bet the farm play. Mercedes Lewis leading or at least getting involved with that depleted Green Bay Packers receiving core over 17 and a half yards. So that's going to do it for us. And uh, T-Train says, hold your Ethereum, buddy. Here it goes. Doing my best. All right. Thanks, guys, for joining us as always. One more time, don't forget to tell your friends. Don't forget to smash that like button, all that good stuff. Good luck on all your plays for me and Scott. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We will see you right back here tomorrow on Heading Back to the Window. Peace, guys.